how do you put up with all the bullshit <laughs> uh, wanting to push them off the ledges? <laughs> she goes home and writes soft porn. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that towards until towards the end of the, the discussion. Uh, so. Welcome to uh, Trade Secrets. We're excited to have you back. And for those of you who are watching, make sure you give us a like or a follow on whatever channel you're using. We really appreciate that. And for you checking us out again. Today, we're excited to introduce uh, a guest, Lynn Colosi yeah. from Delta Development Group. Um, very excited to talk to her about transportation and LERTA and, you know, the bureaucracy of getting projects across the the finish line with government. So welcome and thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for the bourbon as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, we will get to the bourbon for sure, but I guess just to kick things off, can you give us a little background about your career, where it started, how you kind of got to where you're at, and then what Delta sure. Development's all about? Sure. So I'm a uh, journalism major by trade. I'm a broadcast wow. journalism major, actually, from Duquesne University. Don't judge us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were are, not. We are not, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't use it. So it's, you know, 40 years st stale at this point. But uh, um, I started my career at Port Authority of Allegheny County, which is now Pittsburgh Regional Transit. Okay. And worked my way through a variety of departments there. All very interesting. I was never in operations, which is primarily what Port Authority does, but I was on their uh, business development and property development side of their business. Maybe not a lot of people knew that at the time or know that now. They have you know, 200 to $500 million worth of property throughout Allegheny County. And although most of it is used for transit functions, there was some that was vacant. Um, so I, along with a team of people, started the first department called Joint Development at Port Authority. Okay. And what we did there was we sought private sector developers to lease property from us and build projects to create revenue streams for Port Authority. And today, is that a, still a significant portion of their revenue? It is not a significant portion of their revenue. However, it is a portion of their revenue. Okay. Like you might be familiar with, um, if you ride the T, South Hills Village Station. Yeah. Near the mall, there's mm -hmm. a big apartment complex that was built there about yeah, five or ten years ago. That's one of those kind of projects. Okay, so they uh, ground lease that. From, right. Okay. Right. And they're not permitted to sell property unless they reimburse their um, funder, who is the Federal Transit Administration. So they're always going to lease. So they're always going to lease. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's how I got involved and had experience with real estate development and transportation, and I... I parlayed that into a 10-year career with a um, small boutique transit consulting firm okay. that I operated and owned and sold that to Delta Development Group in 2013. And um, when I sold it to Delta, we finished up all the transit clients um, and then started expanding more into the transit-oriented development and joint development kind of work um, that I just described that Port Authority did. Okay. And so um, the projects that I work on now for Delta are not necessarily transit infrastructure. Some of them are, uh, but most of them are interchange infrastructure, highway, bridge, uh, trails, uh, pedestrian, shared-use pathways. 
any kind of project like that that's going to open up property to create jobs, real estate taxes, uh, put public property back on the tax rolls, and, pr and private property, of course. But. And are you doing it for the private uh, developer or for the public entity, both? Like, how does that work? So Delta and I do that both for public sector and for developers. Okay. For example, one of the pretty big projects we have is along uh, the Allegheny River in Sharpsburg. Um, if you've heard of Mercedes Development. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Steve Mercedes and Mercedes Development is building a project there. Um, we called it internally Riverfront 47, but it's going to... Very familiar with it. Familiar? That's, that's our project. almost a key investor in that project. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Small world. We piece together the massive amounts of different kinds of public funding that's available for a project like that. It could be, uh, PennDOT could be the source, Department of Community and Economic Development could be the source at the state level, uh, the federal infrastructure money, um, the, all those funding sources, and they're all cobbled together to put into the, that project. That project, incidentally, is like a billion dollar project. And we were trying. We are still trying to raise a hundred million dollars in public, public money for that project. So it's it's big. It's a massive lift. So that's that's. So you're Steve's third party like development finance team because yes. he doesn't have a big team. Yes. Okay. Yes. Makes sense. And I met Steve in 2003, when I started my consultant firm. He needed some help with a project in in East Liberty. Okay. And he hired us, and we're personal friends and business colleagues at this point, but. We also do those kind of projects, not on that large of a scale, for municipalities. And that's primarily where I met you, Paige, on, in my role as the executive director of Moon Transportation Authority. Delta has a contract with Moon Transportation Authority to run it. We administer it. We're the, we do the government relations, the funding, the accounting, uh, the project management, everything, because it has no employees. No employees, but... Uh Board of directors. A board of directors. Mm -hmm. And are they council people, business people? Like, how's that, how does that structure in Moon work? Um, Moon's, I'll call the Moon Transportation Authority MTA. MTA, okay. Uh, but MTA is comprised of five board members. Two of them represent the township, two of them represent the school district, and one of them is a business person at large. All of those members, board members, are seated and approved by the township. Um, and the reason we have those taxing bodies on our board is because we are funded through real estate taxes. Anytime a commercial building goes vertical and is occupied in Moon Township, we get the real estate taxes for a 10-year period. You get Just commercial? Just commercial. Pardon you get the, the funding completely? We get the real estate taxes. The school district, the township, and the county real estate taxes. Are going to MTA. Yep. And this is called sort of a Lerda, but not really a Lerda. I was going to say, I heard you at one point use Lerda with a twist. Yeah, Lerda with idea. a twist. Okay. It, it's, it's really called a Lerda wrap, a Lerda reallocation program. And, you know, you're familiar with Lerda where the developer, the property owner, uh, gets an abatement for 10 years on his or her taxes. They don't have to pay real estate taxes. When and just pause there because some okay. of our listeners Lerda's probably don't know what acronym. LERDA what means. Is, yeah. So uh, what is LERDA? LERDA? Um, oh, we won't put you on the spot. Someone's going to have to grab their phone. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't do that. What I was going to say is it's not that they don't pay real estate taxes. It's that they don't 
pay the incremental increase in real estate correct. taxes, right? That's correct. All right. So if the commercial property is paying $30,000 a year in taxes and then they redevelop it and now the taxing body wants to charge 100000 in taxes, they don't pay that $70,000 increase for 10 years. That's correct. In a normal order. But in your case, what's happening? Those funds, those real estate taxes are required to be paid by the um, private Developer. developers. Okay. However, because this Lerda Rap District was created by legislation in 1986 and subsequently annexed over the years, um, the property owner has an option to either pay their taxes to the normal taxing bodies or contribute their real estate taxes to the MTA instead. Now, do you have a question about that? Because yeah, I got a lot of questions. Uh, okay. yeah. uh, because people are like, well, why would a property owner want to want to do that? Well, before we get yeah, because that is one of them. Yeah, but question, 1986, yeah. like yeah. that is well before its time. So how did that come to be? And was it because the airport was thinking about moving? Like what spawned the district? Like it seems like Moon was ahead of its time relative to funding transportation projects. I'd like to think that they were ahead of their time because of Delta Development Group. We've been involved since the onset. I haven't been, uh, okay. but my colleagues have. And also this um, this attorney, his name's David Toll, T-O-A-L. And David, like, invented this concept uh, back in the 80s. And, Pittsburgh guy? or Yeah, okay. Pittsburgh guy. Pittsburgh guy. Um, he still comes to our board meetings. He's special counsel for the MTA. We ask him all kinds of weird legal questions. Um but this was back when, if you can imagine, the airport was in Moon Township. It was getting ready to move. Can you believe it's that long this ago? This is the old airport. Yeah, I still call this airport the new airport. It's been there 30 years. But this is the old this airport. This is the old airport yeah. that you're talking about. Yep. And Old so relative. We're only talking <laughs> about 30 years. But if you're not familiar <laughs> with it, right. this, was the this is where it moved into the other township. Right, sure. right. Okay. Right. And um, I think Moon Township believed that because the airport had always been in Moon, that organically there was going to be this great development that was going to occur, residential and mixed use. It didn't quite transpire. And then when the airport was um, thinking about putting those plans together to, to build uh, a new airport in Findlay, um, Moon Township only had one main road in its in its jurisdiction, and that was Beer School Road, which is now University Boulevard. Okay. It didn't have interchanges off of the business parkway. You just drove out to the parkway, and you made that left into the airport, and you made that right onto Beer School Road, and you went into Moon Township. Well, they knew they had all of this undeveloped property, but they had no interchanges or way to get to it easily off of the parkway. So they created this municipal authority in 1986 under the 1945 Municipalities Act, which creates an authority for 50 years. So um, the township, along with David and uh, advisement from Delta, created that authority, but that's an unfunded authority. And then David Toll came up with this Lerda Wrap idea about how can we fund this entity or get it enough money to leverage loans and grants to start putting in this infrastructure. And its only purpose, the authority that is, is to put infrastructure in place. Right. Right? Only major infrastructure, like the regular roadways and the paving and the general maintenance of it is 
still done by Moon Public well, What Works. is considered to be mega infrastructure? I mean, that could be an interchange, correct? Could be an interchange, yeah. yeah. We've, we've put in several of those. In fact, we reconstructed Thorn Run Interchange two, three years ago. It opened in August. and uh, So we've done that one twice. We've been around so long. And think back to what the baseline of the taxes would have been. That was all agricultural ground. So it was right. like, you know, two cents on an acre. And the next thing you know... It's producing some serious cash. Yeah, so that, that uh, interchange, that uh, Thorn Run interchange and the Ewing interchange, in between both of those interchanges, what sprung up almost immediately, was the whole Charrington Parkway, the Pittsburgh International Business Park, um, all of those buildings out there, uh, Service, Mark. There, there's a bunch of businesses along there now mm -hmm. um, that you're right. It was just vacant, virgin land, and, you, you know, it was not producing much, um, but... But then those projects happen, tax level increases. So for a 10-year run, you guys get the benefit of that increase so long as the developer says, sure, yeah. I'll give it to you instead of give it to the schools. And, and that's the question I have is, what? so what was the incentive other than, like why would a developer, I think this is a question, why would the developer choose to pay MTA versus just the taxing body like and how many of the developers historically have chosen to go this route and contribute to the tax to the MTA instead of pay the taxing okay. body I'll answer your second question first okay since I've been the executive director 100% um, of the developers have made the decision to contribute their real estate taxes to wow. the MTA. Wow. Do you like a strong man behind the scenes that wraps <laughs> them up? <laughs> well, it would be simply control. I would rather give my money to five people I know I meet with, what are they going to do, versus whoever else is going to receive it to decide, oh, well, I need this to administrate giving you this back. I don't think that's it. I'm curious. Oh, I'm positive. Things. Why? A hundred percent in anything is remarkable. Yeah. That doesn't happen. So why? Are well, there hasn't been a ton of development in Moon, but it has really picked up recently over the past year, and we can talk about that a little and bit as well. But your authority is still in place, so anything that comes out of the dirt, if it creates a tax increment, you still get that funding money, or if it if is donated, if it chooses, if they choose to Correct. donate it, yeah. So it would go that goes specifically to road improvements and infrastructure Correct. rather than rather than whatever wherever the hell it goes else they want to put it into the yeah. townships or the school districts or the county's general account whatever they do it these developers know that we are bound by law to invest that money into infrastructure that increases their tenancy that increases their users that creates a product that's better so for them to their location yeah. it's control of the tax money i mean that's why <laughs> well why would you want to not give it. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm curious, and she's kind of answered it, but why do you think that they think that, like you said, it increases tenancy? Why? Like, connect the dots of paying taxes to MTA increases tenancy. So I'll use an example uh, currently. Okay. There is a project that is being constructed. It's a private development. Um, there's, we say there's seven or 800 acres in this property. This on is this Diamond district. Ridge. Yeah, this is Diamond Ridge. Okay. Um, the township calls it Marketplace District. Okay. Because every road leading up to the to site is called Marketplace something. Marketplace mm -hmm. Boulevard, Marketplace Extension. But yeah, And for our Diamond local Ridge. Pittsburgh listeners, 
Um, this is where the the standalone outback that has survived yeah. this is just sitting up on yeah. a hill yeah. along the parkway west. Yeah. Yep. But now a lot of construction workers can have happy hour at outback, you know? <laughs> it's amazing it's that like that outback heyday, survived you know? being on an island for <laughs> so long. Because it was originally a Kmart up there? Yeah. Is that right? Okay, sorry to interrupt, but just wanted to frame it for the, the listener. No, that that's okay. Another framing piece for the listener is that you are absolutely right, and that property about 20 years ago was purchased by Chevron. They were going to put their headquarters there, um, and that didn't pan out, and um, there were some you know, economic downturns, and then it sat, it just sat underutilized, and then the pandemic hit, and then uh, Burns Scallo decided to take a run at Chevron to, to purchase the property, and that all worked out, and that is now the combination of Diamond Ridge. But here's what I mean by increasing tenancy and also um, reducing costs to developers to make them want to be in Moon Township versus another jurisdiction. So when Diamond Ridge was conceived and planned, along with, there, there are other pieces to that puzzle besides Burns Scallow's sure. piece, but they collectively submitted their traffic reports and uh, studies to the township and to PennDOT. And basically their traffic studies conducted on their behalf based on their traffic projections said, okay, we have to make $750,000 worth of roadway improvements so that people just to, just to get people off of Montour Run Road up into our new development or whatever. But when the township and PennDOT reviewed those documents, they're like, wait a minute, you know, wait a minute, we need you to expand Marketplace Boulevard. This is their conversation. I with can't wait to hear what the city's number was. And <laughs> you gotta, you got to, you have to expand Montour Run Road. Montour Run Road is owned by PennDOT. Marketplace Boulevard is owned by the township. And the developers are like, wait, wait a minute, we, don't, we didn't even do any engineering work relative to that. How much would that all cost? And the township board of supervisors came to the MTA and said, can you have your engineering team work up numbers on, based on this development, what the infrastructure investment really needs to be to mitigate traffic, improve safety. Um, can I guess access. before you say it? Yeah. I'm going to say 10x. It was 10. 10. 10 million. So more than 10x. Because you were 10 million. the developer said 750,000, and the the governmental body said it was 10 million. But it was also 10 times of what it was doing. It was it was these are the road improvements where the developer said, yeah, this is what we've created. He said, no, 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 no. This is the downstream we want you to fix. Right. right. Think about yeah. it. It's 10. Yeah. yeah, it's no, it's more than ten times. Yeah. It's more than, more than ten, 10 times. times. It's like thirteen yeah. times. Yeah. Anyway, it's like yeah. uh, it's what's the word I want to use? The word I want to use is extortion. <laughs> That's what the word is. Well, I it's, think she was I involved think, in coming up with that number, right? <laughs> I came no, up with the number. No, but that's the, it's if you want to build this, this is what you have to do. This right. is, but it, no, it's a really important thing to pick on, and we're not picking on Lynn. We're picking on the fact or, that the yeah. developer is hyper focused on. All I care about is can the traffic get into my little project, right. and this isn't a little project, this is a huge project, but your role in the MTA and the city, and I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because like, my heart and brain are with the developer. Yeah, take your developer hat off right? for a second. But as, <laughs> as a tax-paying resident, I also get that it's going to totally impact the way the rest of the moon 
like conducts business. Like it's going to impact everything. So MTA is saying, whoa, 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 you're not just worried about this traffic light. We're worried about, like as he said, the downstream. Like what's going to happen with all of the other ripple effects? Yeah, Building this road is going to create all these other opportunities. Right. To come and go yeah. on a daily basis. How is and that that's what makes it more tenable. Is that exactly. now all this money is being pumped into here, plus it's future money because you're going to build these <coughs> things through bonds, Correct. okay, rather than this is part of this particular development cost. Now the future taxes that are developed here, if somebody else is going to pick up this slack and then bring this one along, it's, uh, it, it's good leverage. It, it, yeah, and um, regulations uh, and extortion run downhill. <laughs> so the, they're the same thing. The, the MTA is not a regulatory body. So when we when we were entered into the whole chain of events, we had to do what Pendant and the township told us to do as well. Sure. Um, but we're just the delivery. We're the delivery agency. Right. Um, so the here's why the developer or the private sector will contribute to real estate taxes, because the MTA is going to get ten go figure out how to get $10 million to fix all this transportation infrastructure so that the private sector can do what they're intended to do. Can and you that's bond? not fix roads. We can. You can bond. We can so you bond. are an entity that actually could put something in place if it was significant. Correct. And again, roads relieve pressure and they create opportunity. Correct. All right, they can so bond, but they have no revenue. But, but the revenue but comes no, from the, the revenue comes from future revenue, which is in the bond market. So, so of that, if like you build it, million, they will come. Of that ten million dollars of necessary roadway infrastructure improvements, um, the developers that were impacted by that ten million dollar need, I think it's what five developers up there that had to somehow make ten million dollars worth of roadway developments. So, what percentage of that ten million comes from their contributions to Lerda? Like their their tax contributions, and then how how is the gap bridged to get to the ten million? That's a very good question because that is an exercise of on every project that we do. So in in the case of the Diamond Ridge and Marketplace District project, we formed a really great partnership up there. I can't say I've run into that in every project I've been involved with, but. Those guys have been amazing, the developers. We sat down and I said, look, you were willing to make $750,000 worth of improvements. Why don't you write the MTA a check as part of your development agreements with the township? With that money, we'll start the soft cost work. We'll start the pre preliminary engineering, get through the final design, which that the soft costs on this are pretty high, uh, relatively speaking. They're like $3 million, the construction is $7 million. Okay. So they were gonna pay seven fifty dollars anyway, so they contributed that on their own. Didn't have to do that uh, to the MTA, and they've also signed over the contributions for the real estate taxes. So just Diamond Ridge, which is Burn Scallows building number one, uh, Prism at Diamond Ridge, which is the um, residential project up there, 396 units, and a senior living facility uh, that is underway there. Whenever those are completed and vertical um, and occupied and reassessed, reassessed. Yep. Uh, th they'll yield about $1.2 million uh, to the Transportation Authority. Annually. For 10 years. So that's, so it's so back, to the, back to the first discussion of like, say the, the 
the basis at entry was $300,000 of taxes or $30,000 of taxes to make it easier. And then all this development happens. It get re gets reassessed. The taxes owed then would be a hundred. The lure to wrap the seventy thousand would go to MTA, right. and the initial thirty thousand would still go to the taxing body. Right. That's correct. Got it. Okay. So until things come out of the ground, they still just pay the thirty thousand to the taxing body, or it, they pay that to the taxing body. So they've always paid the thirty thousand to the taxing body. But they actually then, get a little bit more than the thirty thousand, and this is another complication. When I keep talking about, we get the real estate taxes on the commercial, the vertical. All of those improvements, any of the land improvements, which may have included that thirty, where the land is improving as well, um, just based on the new development. Yeah. So they get. The taxing bodies get 100% of the increment from the reassessed land. Land, right. okay. okay. So um, the theory is that the theory is that if not for MTA, this wouldn't happen. I think it's more than a theory. Well, yeah. I do well, I say theory because some of our um, some of our taxing body partners, particularly at the school district, they don't they don't they don't like it. They don't like it because yeah. it, they want the money. They now. want the money, but the decisions were made before they got on the school board. Yeah, so. and I think in and any kind they... of increment financing that is is bonded from taxes, it's the same thing. If it if we didn't build it, you wouldn't get the taxes, and you will get them eventually. And we're not talking about a hundred years from now. We're talking about ten years. Ten years. Right. Well, like, some increment finances a, go significantly longer. Yeah, but than no, that. in this case, in this case, ten it's ten years well, on that particular component of it. And and I get a lot of you know why don't you and the developers just work together to do a TIF? And I'm like, well, that could be up to twenty years of the full of all of it. Yeah. Um, so we think it's a nice a compromise, and everybody gets something from it. And MTA's previous work um, generates over nine million dollars a year. Um, what happens in 36? Well, that's, so that's when we sunset, right? Yeah. So we're a 50-year authority. We are going to sunset in 2036, but we collect, say, for example, there's a development that occurs and it goes vertical in 2036. We collect MTA, till 46. You we collect till 46 because we have debt to pay down. We have a, a loan from PNC Bank. Uh, we have a business in our sites loan for Charrington Parkway, which opened up all the development along Charrington. And then we um, match grants and things like that. But, yeah, yeah, we're um, 2046. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is that something that can be, someone can advocate for that to be extended? Yes. Yeah. And is, yeah. That, is anyone talking about that? Or that's, that's well, an eight years from now problem? <laughs> you know... I'm gonna have to mold You're like, somebody. You're like retired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll have to mold someone many years junior to me um, that cares about that problem. But I'll be long alive, yes. I hope. But uh, long, long gone from that. Long gone from. Worried so, about the bike path in Florida. Where, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Long gone from. So, so, does that make sense to you? Do you do any? Do you come across those kind of projects or that kind of scenario at all in your work? Yeah, I mean, it makes complete sense. I don't know that our users or our listeners really see this on a day-to-day -day basis. The wrap, you know, the Lerda with a twist is interesting and new. Admittedly, something that I had not paid any attention to until I was doing some research about your background and how you were doing this. But it makes, I mean, if you're the development team, it makes total sense. Like if you're Steve or mm -hmm. Burns or, you know, Gary, because I think Gary's involved. Yeah. Out, yeah. 
right? So, yeah. I mean, I mean we have we have dealt with clients that even just for their location, um, you know, their the state was going to require, you know, they were going to be required to install like a traffic light. So we have worked with clients that when it comes down to the traffic study, we find things that are like, well, this project is going to be you know, 25, 30% more expensive than we thought because of the requirements just to handle the volume of traffic that would be going to this site. So on a smaller scale, nothing that's going to require like $10 million of roadway improvement for an entire development. But I think we have definitely, um, one of our clients in particular, like every time like, oh, PennDOT might... PennDOT might put the kibosh on this for us. <laughs> we have encountered that. But they're always, I mean, and this is a question and a statement at the same time, like how many MTAs are there in the Pittsburgh region? Because our experience to Paige's specific client example is that there's no solution. Like it's just, it's going to cost X and then they walk away from the project because it just doesn't make any sense. Whereas if an MTA was in place in that area, then there would be a solution to fund for the downstream PennDOT issues. So are you guys one of one? We're one of one. And oh I, I, I wouldn't mind talking that through because this will be like a psychotherapy session for me. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> MTA, because I get this a lot and I really, I think about it's it a lot. another bourbon. Yeah, really. Because <laughs> I, I think about this a lot. Why aren't there more? Because MTA is wildly successful. And the legislators at the state level, at PennDOT Central Office and at the Department of Community and Economic Development, love seeing there? the MTA come. Yes. Do you have friends yes. there? Can we talk offline? Yeah, yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they love seeing the MTA come and ask for grants because we have such a track record delivering projects. We bring local money significant amounts of local money to a project. That otherwise was going to be forced to be funded by the state alone. Correct, which yep. would be 80% or 100% funded by the state. And we are very aggressive getting federal money. And they love when entities like the MTA bring federal money into a region because it takes, takes some burden off of them too, and their dollar goes farther, our dollar goes farther. Um, so I get a lot, you know, if you guys are so good and the state loves you and you, you have such a track record, why aren't there more of these, you know? And I think, I think part of the answer is because it's complicated. I mean, it's complicated. Right. I don't think there are a whole lot of people out there that have the skills in real estate, property development, funding, government relations, financial plans, you know, can oversee planning, design, construction. I mean, I think it's just such a complicated thing, but, and municipalities, public sector, you know, public sector clients, they might do one big project in their lifetime. Moon Township does them regularly. So um, that's the only thing I can come up with. If you could help me with that answer, because I get that question a lot. And if you're so great, why aren't there more of you? And you think, that every municipality should have an MTA. I do. Yeah. I do. Across the state or? Across the state. Okay. Across the state. But I, I think one of the reasons is also why there might not be one is because townships, municipalities aren't as forward thinking and risky as risk takers as Moon Township. Yeah, because I mean, let's talk like about change. that for a second. Yeah. If 
in in the Diamond Ridge example. So developer was going to spend seven fifty to do the work they thought needed done. Municipality says no, it's really ten million. Sorry about that. And we're going to fund it based off of one point two million of projected annual tax increase. But that's on a spreadsheet. It's on a spreadsheet. Plus, we added three point five million dollars to that three weeks ago. Congressman Deluzio's office gave us an earmark. Okay. So, meaning you got funding, or it's going to cost more. Got funding. Okay. So, federal funding. But if the spreadsheet, like we always joke, you could tell any lie you want with a spreadsheet, right? Yes. So, you're projected to get one point two million in increased taxes, but turns out year seven you're only getting like hundred thousand dollars of increased taxes. Like, there's the risk you're talking about, right? Because if the project doesn't work, reassessment happens, values don't go up, there's no revenue. So is that the risk that concerns the other municipalities? Because somebody would have to, like... There's still going to be a note due. Like, that, like there's a problem, right? Right. So you are absolutely right about that, and uh, there's a good example from the pandemic. But the risk that the townships are taking, Moon Township guarantees all of the MTA's debt. Okay. So if for some reason commercial development would stop or slow um, and we couldn't pay off our loans or fund the projects we're currently involved with, they would step up to the plate. So now you've got council people who, that is a tough sell. Yeah. All right. It's now a, it's, that's a, making it's a real sense. tough now you have sell. Now really council people sell. that have a tough sell, council people that don't understand it. Right. A school board authority that says, you're taking my money. And you're taking yeah. ri like risk and that you're I don't want to sign risk up for. With it. And another thing to factor in here, you did this back in the 80s. Right. Yeah. Okay. And was it done out of an idea or was it done out of necessity because the airport was moving? So you had, you had a lot of moving lot parts of, in right. there. Yeah. And when I say 1986, that's part of the problem. People are like antiquated. Even though it was antiquated. very ahead of its time. And you've had, that's the other part, you've had what, 37 years now of continual development because this is the geography of the entire township? It's the entire commercial areas in the township. All the commercial areas are annexed into this Lurda wrap. Yeah. I mean, that's some pretty good stuff. Right I know, there. but believe it or not, in the 10 years I've been the executive director, development has been really flat up until now. It is just really taken off in the mm -hmm. township. In fact... Up until yep. this whole Diamond Ridge marketplace development stuff, we only get $900,000 a year in revenue from vertical commercial in Moon Township. Wow. Was it because the, nothing was built or was it because they didn't give you the money? Nothing was built. Yeah, they had like a run, like Moon had a run. They had a run. And then it just right. went on the pause button for a while. And not only did it go flat on pause, during the pandemic, a lot of commercial property owners asked the county for reassessments. Uh, they, they appealed their assessment. So when those assessments, if, if and when they win their assessments, which several of them did during the pandemic, we had to write a check. Or so that's kind of the scenario checks. that he just kind of exactly. ran through the risk oh, scenario. Wow. Yeah. So you actually cut yep. into the bone. Yep. Oof. So if somebody's um, assessed value out along Charrington Parkway, a commercial building was you know, $7.5 million and it got reassessed at 4.8. We, Your revenue stream that checks. was based on that pro forma, yeah. the spreadsheet theory is now. 
So why don't, uh, why, okay, if a developer is considering something of scale, why don't they actually seek you out to try to affect this? They should. Absolutely. And there are developers in Moon who, who specifically and particularly go to Moon because, because of MTA's work. But not just Moon. I mean, if you said, okay, here's sure. a great idea. We're in a, we're a different township. Sure. We're in a different area. How about this to try to offset my infrastructure? Because we are a growing community. We are a place where we can really take advantage of it and take it, take it out for a dance. I agree because with you. Because it would really, really earmark some funds. Right. And then couple that with, okay, now we got a really good story to tell and we can get some federal money in here without a real heavy lift. Completely agree with you. Mm -hmm. So I want to switch gears because there's two other topics that I want to get to before we run out of time. Um, flipping out of Moon, because I think we covered that pretty well, um, back to Steve and Riverfront 47. So in Moon, everything, not everything's going well, but you're kind of in control. Yeah. Like, and when I say in control, the MTA is a, you know, a winning strategy, right? But then you come back to Steve's project, which I know too much about, probably to be deadly, um, but you're in that role beating your head against a wall. Because there's a lot of things that has wanted to happen there that you're dealing with the private developer who's just screaming, like, why can't I break through these walls? So how do you switch from, like, your executive director role at MTA where you kind of get to win, and I'm not going to say you're the rubber stamp, but you kind of are the rubber stamp, whereas you flip sides and you go over to that project and you're the one fighting to overcome serious roadblocks. Well, so a lot of funny stories about, you know, Steve's project, um, which is either called Riverfront 47 internally or Allegheny Shores externally. Mm -hmm. So I'm like family with them, right? Uh, I've known S Steve and his project team <coughs> since 2003 when I started working with them on their, you know, Whole Foods development up through Target. Okay. Um, and the experience on that 11-block development that including some complicated transactions and maneuvers with Port Authority, which is why Steve originally hired me gotcha. and my company, okay. um, is, is just a mind-boggling and amazing experience. Because if you know anything about Steve Masaitis and Mark Minerly, who is his, was his partner, or maybe still is his partner, um, they will do everything right everything right for the community everything right for design even if it costs them 15 to 20 percent more than it would cost any other developer who was just going to try to get in there get it done and get out right right so that creates a lot of fits and starts yep um and that same thing uh that happened in east liberty and that i worked through with them for a 10-year period is the same thing that's happening over in Allegheny Shores and Riverfront 47. Because they are open-minded, they're innovative, they like having other people's input into their projects, they want to be uh, you know, future forward-thinking, future-proof, all those kind of things. So <laughs> I was contemplating about five years ago about, reti about retiring. And one of the reasons I didn't retire is because my relationship with Steve and his project and the moving parts and the complications that I didn't think anybody at Delta could do except me. Okay. That, you know, I have a lot of support there, but I thought 
that I was a unique entity and benefit and asset for Steve. But, you know, after, after much soul-searching and contemplation, I realized that I was part of Steve's problem. Like, you know, always, you know trying to get public money and trying to get attention to his project um, because I was too much of an insider. I was too sensitive to uh, their issues and to them and their personalities and their feelings. And so I figured out that somebody else at Delta who's a really strong project manager is going to be able to help them way more than I could because they will toe the line. If Steve or Mark or anybody at, at the Mercedes company starts deviating in thought and getting away from the mission, that project manager will bring them back in line because I wouldn't. Because I was one of them, you know? Right. I became one of them after 20 years. I didn't think I was serving Steve or his project well anymore, even though Delta does really incredible things, has and still does. So I guess that's a long way of saying it is very hard to get the public sector that, that Steve has to rely on, that the Mercedes company has to rely on, to pull off this project to get them to pay attention to it and do it under Steve's timeline. Because once... Once the Mercedes company gets a solution that helps move their project forward, they can move it a lot faster than the public sector can move it, a lot right. faster than PennDOT can move it, a lot faster than the county can move it. And when we present those plans to those public sector partners, they're like, whoa, <laughs> no way. This is not happening this fast. This is five years, not 24 months. So they, they face a lot of that. That project is going to get done. I mean, I, I know how Mercedes Company works. The project is amazing. Have you been over there? Have you seen the grading, the site prep? It's amazing. That? It's unreal, right? Yeah, it's incredible. It'll, it'll happen. And it's some of the best dirt in Allegheny yeah. County. I think under this governor, too, um, Governor Shapiro, he's economic development-minded. He's really mm -hmm. aggressive. I, I, think, I think Steve will start getting some momentum, and it'll happen. Fascinating, because we, we're on that side of it all the time. We're on the side that's fighting the uphill battle and, like, you know, feel like you're running into a brick wall every day. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example on that project. If, if anybody is, um, understands the project site, it's along the river, and it's accessible by Main Street in Sharpsburg only. Correct. But it becomes a regional and global site if you can bring a flyover, a ramp down off of two twenty, off of two twenty-eight, excuse me, or the Highland Park Bridge area. And about two or three years ago, PennDOT District Eleven was working through the designs of their reconstruction of twenty-eight and the Highland Park Bridge. And Steve knows he needs this this flyover, ramp. Right. He needs his flyover. And the very logical thing to do would be to couple it with, with PennDOT's work. Right. Um, so economies of scale, Steve can move fast, um, but our missions conflict, right? So something that really, really should have been done and could have been done that way can't be done that way because the private or the public sector controls that decision making. Mm -hmm. And even though we believe Steve has a track record, which he does, and we could sell that concept to the district and toward, to the state, we weren't able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think Which stinks. maybe it's naive, but back to my knowing too much to be deadly, I think we would have a world-class outdoor music venue on oh, that yeah. site had oh, yeah. the missions of public and private not conflicted. And Pittsburgh will never get to realize it. And, I mean, our listeners, the few of you that are out there... What happens? Is it, it's not dead, is it? Uh, I mean... 
know. But I it's do think that it is such an unfortunate, like, reality of development that goes on behind the scenes that the public never knows about. Because I think the public would have loved an outdoor venue that wasn't in oh, Burgettstown. Like, unbelievable. So anyways, all right. Last topic uh, before your trade secret is White Buffalo Productions. <laughs> I love that you uh, make the comment about um, ideas that get parked for a while. Like, what's that all about and what are what? they... You don't pause, know please. No. Kevin earlier today, Kevin's like, this is the f- you are the first guest that I have been like, I want Lynn to come on the podcast. Kevin today is like, Paige, like, you've got this, right? I never do my homework for these podcasts. So he's like, you've got this, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's like, great. He's like, I'm going to introduce Lynn, and then like you just ask a bunch of questions. I think I've said one thing this whole podcast. And now he's coming out with White Buffalo Productions. I have no idea what he's talking about. So this has been great. I didn't see that on the CV, by the way. Well, I'm very interested. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. Where she says she parks her great ideas. What, so, what is White Buffalo Productions, though? Can you just explain that first? I did see that, actually. Okay. So when we started this conversation, I was telling you I'm a journalism major from Duquesne University. Mm-hmm. So um, in my fantasy world, I'm a writer, right? A lot of people are, I guess. And five years ago when I was contemplating retirement, I, I'm also a Jesus freak. So I was like praying out loud for it to have this flood of ideas come into me so I could be writing something. Um, writing to influence people, writing to make money, um, but writing to influence people. Why? Well, I, I love that honesty, by I, the way. I had, <laughs> thank you. I do. I, I had this flood of ideas come, this, this rush of ideas. And so I you know, opened a bunch of Word documents and started writing what those ideas were, but I wanted a place to put them where I could develop them, whether I needed to promote myself or um, you know, create... Um, manuscripts, uh, t-shirts, whatever my ideas were. So I created White Buffalo Productions. And White Buffalo um, is a native symbol. When a white buffalo is born, it means there's peace coming. There's going to be peace coming to the land. Um, So I created White Buffalo Productions, and I started writing these books. And that's really why I wanted to retire, so I could write full-time. But I'm down to working two days a week. And Wednesday through Sunday, I work on my White Buffalo Productions projects, which are a complete, they're diverse. Um, they're probably even conflicting. Um, I'm, one of my books is about the so-called Apostle Paul. And one of my books is a soft porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took us 40 minutes to get to the juice. <laughs> So, and then a whole bunch of stuff in between. Um, so, yeah. I want to do those things more. I um, like you even so. more now. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Your retirement's going to be very entertaining. Yeah, I, yeah. Yes, it is. 
I'm hoping. I think you should start your own podcast because I I would like to stay up to date on the progress. That is one of my ideas that flooded into me too. A podcast. It's 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 a sports podcast. You know, you you also have a great. I listened to the. You were just on the Nayot podcast. No, I didn't listen to that. That I did, and you. I was like, she has such a. Like calm, cool. Like you come across your voice is very calm, mm. cool, and collected and soothing. So I think you've got a great voice for podcasting. I have a podcast idea written. I have a framework for it. I have a name for it. I'm an we, NFL. We got a guy for you. Oh, we nice. got a guy. I'm an NFL fan, particularly a Steelers fan. I'm, I'm sorry. Currently uh, psychologically nice. disturbed. Um, yeah. So this was <laughs> not a. Good this was a really good distraction. I, I think she you. means because of I, football, not like yes. in life cycle. Football. Yes. <laughs> yes. Football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not a good first showing. That was not good. It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's just it was shocking, frankly. Yeah. But, so that's White Buffalo. I love that. I love that too. I feel like we need to have another podcast just to hear about White Buffalo because you like put like serious teaser material out there. For sure. <laughs> serious yeah. teaser material. Like six people listen to our podcast, but the day White Buffalo podcast is <laughs> the go. market. Just skyrocket. It's it's the sex thing, you know, porn that sells. Right? Absolutely. That sells. Everybody, Everybody wants yeah. sex sells, there's mm-hmm. no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um well, outside of sex selling and White Buffalo Productions, we always end. Actually, we got to pause for a second. Any comments on the on the bourbon, Mr. Castle? We've oh, had am this I bringing that up now? Yeah, we've had this one before. Oh, well, so I think it's, it's incredible kismet that, okay, you're talking about White Buffalo. All right. Oh, right. All right. Buffalo Trace. And we are drinking that Buffalo Trace. This is um, true. Now, Buffalo Trace is a, a phenomenal distillery. It's in... Uh, it was it's got to grab the bottle. Okay, but the interesting yeah. thing about Buffalo Trace, <laughs> Buffalo Trace got its name because where the distillery is, and I forget the name of the river, and I, I apologize, but the distillery is right at the place where the buffalo would cross. So this is a real Frankfurt. Name. It's Frankfurt? Yeah. Okay. Um, the Frankfurt River? No, Frankfurt's the, oh, I thought he said the, the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, it might be the Frankfurt River. Well, whatever river it is, and there's a place that you can actually see in the distillery uh, where it crosses. I actually really like this bourbon. How about you, Lynn? You're not a bourbon drinker. I'm not a bourbon drinker. But did you like it? I love it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I love it. Because I would say, I... as a bourbon drinker, this is a... Harsh isn't the right word, but it's a... It's, it's not a, a starter bold, bourbon. It's a bold bourbon. It's not is a starter it? bourbon. Is it? I, I have yes. no frame of reference. I if think you it, like this, then you're, you, there's I'll, a lot I'll of bourbon. I'll pour you some old tub after we stop finishing, yeah. <laughs> after we stop recording, and then you'll have a frame of reference. This I is think much this smoother. actually mellows out very nicely. Yeah, I think and this is a very drinkable This bourbon. is the same place that uh, distills Pappy Van Winkle. Yes. Okay, and they have. I'm going to get that Van one right there. Yeah, that's that one. Yeah, I'm going to get this number wrong, but I believe there's 160 ricks on site. They just recently went through an expansion, and um, the uh, brick, wood, tin, and the there's only two mashes, I believe, that they make their bourbon from, and where it sits in the rick, and what type of rick it's in determines what bottle it's going to be and aged. So it's a it's a great place. It's a great place to visit. You'll get you'll learn an awful lot about bourbon, and um, it's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed it. So we have to end with your trade secret. My it can be life. Secret. It can be business. Something you wish like the public or outsiders knew about 
what you do for work? It could be. So my trade secret is actually something I said a couple of weeks ago when Congressman Deluzio um, came to Moon Township and gave us one of those fake big checks, right? And I was able to get the microphone and, um, you know, I promised myself a couple of years ago, whenever I have the microphone, I'm going to promote um, love, leading with love, love, collaboration. Um, and so when I got the microphone at that Congressman Deluzio event, I went into my, and the people that knew me in the room were like, eh, here she goes. <laughs> but the point is, the trade secret is that when we all get in a room and we're all trying to accomplish something really big and something lasting and something good, we're not individually going to get every single thing that we want. And no one person in that room should, should think they're going to get that. But collectively, we are going to get something amazing. And the only way we can do that is if we respect and love each other when we get out of that room. It's like making sure you don't go to bed angry with your spouse or your partner. When I walk out of the room with these people I'm, I'm meeting with who I didn't know a year and a half ago, we're hugging, I'm hugging them, they're hugging me. We love each other, we're accomplishing something great. That's my trade secret. I love it. That's, That's fantastic. Yeah. I, we had an open house today on a piece of property that we're developing and we got really close to a solution and uh, we walked away from that solution and a lot of people were asking me why and I wish I would have talked to you about six hours ago because my answer would have been very more succinct um, based on hearing your trade secret because effectively we ended up walking away because this was a group we weren't going to be able to hug at the end of the day. I mean, this just it is the, the, the frank the, reality. Yeah, the mutual respect and, and yeah, it's very important. Right. Well, so. you know, and Candy, I think I need a kind voice. of a rarity. Yeah. You know, that yeah. doesn't happen with every uh, every transaction or every in, uh, project that you work on. Especially in this industry, because the fact of the matter is you have a lot of money at stake, a lot of motions on the line, a lot of, I mean, egos, to be egos, very clear. Yeah. I mean, this is these people's legacy. It's not like they're they're doing something that's going to be an afterthought in a year. They're building something that's going to last for, for decades to come. So, understandably, there's ego. and. And managing yeah. that, and one of my questions, if Kevin would have Kevin would have ever let me ask it, was what your background was. <laughs> but For I was, real? you know, I, I didn't know. I figured you probably have some kind of engineering background or maybe a finance background, but also like psychology. You could, you. I have to imagine that you get very good at talking people off ledges and like, y you know, using a soothing voice to calm tempers and tensions in a lot of situations. Um, so well, I don't envy that, but I am glad that someone like you is doing that. They're I actually doing the would Lord's have positioned work. that question because my, my question that I would have asked is, how do you put up with all the bullshit uh, wanting to push them off the ledges? She goes home and writes soft porn. That's <laughs> well, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that towards until towards the end of the, the discussion. So now it makes perfectly good. So the planets align. 
gives me my best material, right? We're going to need an NC-17 sticker for this podcast. Oh, my gosh. But I, I do think, bringing it back to her trade secret, like, leading with love might be idyllic. Like, it might be um, hoping for something in this industry that's a little extreme, but I think, you know, the mutual respect that's necessary to produce significant outcomes, complicated projects, like, I think that that's a real, real thing, and it's, I mean, I think it's as good of a trade secret as we had heard. Yeah, and I think also you must be one of those people that think 10, 20 years down the yeah. line. Yeah. You, 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 it strikes me that you don't do anything that today is irrelevant. Today, we, let's just live in today, but, you know, what we're really trying to do is create a legacy that's a lot further, and you... I would imagine you don't see the obstacles. You see the goal. I do not see the obstacles. And right. you just there's a there's a there's a focus. We're going to get there, and yeah. don't worry about the horse being blind. Just load the wagon. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for inviting being me. Here today. It's wonderful. Again, if you're listening, like us, uh, follow us, share us sponsor us if you're interested um but thanks for joining us and cheers lynn it was awesome to have you here today and to meet you so pleasure all right trade secrets that's a wrap see you next time